Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, again, welcome to Renovation Church, and I um, want to also welcome everybody watching online. Can we put our hands together for our online family watching from all over the world. Glad you're here. Well, we are in our final week of a series called Heart Issues, and We've been talking around this idea from Proverbs 27, 19, that says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the, reflects your heart. And so we've been talking about how do we get our heart healthy so that we can get our lives a little bit healthier. And this comes from Proverbs 4, where it says, to, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so week one, we talked about how to heal from a broken heart. And week two, we talked about how to reclaim rest from a busy heart. Last week, we talked about what to do when you don't know what to do and your heart is bewildered. And as promised, we're, we're concluding this series with a bitter heart, a bitter heart. Find a neighbor, tell them, don't be bitter. Come on, find your second choice, the one that looks mad and tell them, don't be bitter, don't be bitter, don't be bitter. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, see to it, that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I wanna preach about a bitter heart today and what to do if your heart is bitter. So let's pray together. If you will stretch a hand towards heaven as a sign of availability, if you're able. And God, we come to you now and ask that you do a great work in us not just change our behavior, but transform our heart. You say that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword, that it does not return void. So God, as we open it today, would you just do the heart surgery we so desperately need? God, heal our broken heart. Help us find rest from our busy hearts. Slow us down. Let us be present in this moment today. God, help us have clarity and courage when we don't know what to do and our heart is confused. But today we come to you now for those of us who deal with a bitter heart or in relationship with someone who does. And God just asked that you would give us the power to heal and forgive and God restore relationships that have been broken. Whatever we're carrying, God, would you just eliminate distractions for the next 35 minutes or so and would you speak to us? Go beyond my notes. God, we ask this and in your son's holy and precious name and the church said, Come on, the church said, amen. Say hi to somebody next to you. Welcome them to church. Give them a high five, a handshake, hug or a kiss. Don't kiss nobody you don't know. If you're watching online, let us know where you're watching from. And uh, so excited that you're here. About 10 years ago, I went on a mission trip to Mexico. And uh, one of the amazing things we had the honor and privilege of getting to do was to build a house uh, for this family, and uh, it was incredible. We, we spent all day kind of laying the foundation and getting the post and, the, and everything set and, and ready to put on a roof, and it was amazing, but it was about 102, 103 degrees. Come on, does anybody hate the heat like me? Anybody else? And uh, man, we're hot, and we get back, and what a successful day, right? And we come back to the house where we were staying, and the house mom, I think her name was Miss Maria. I could see her from a distance, and she was holding this pitcher with some yellow substance in it, and from a distance, it looked like some good old American lemonade. Come on, is anybody thankful for an ice-cold glass of lemonade on a hot day? And as I got closer and closer, it was lemonade, and she had a glass ready for me, and she hands me this, uh, this lemonade, and as she handed it to me, I realized 
There was something wrong. The glass was warm. I ain't a fan of no warm lemonade. And so as I, uh, as I drank the lemonade, I just kind of made that face. And she was like, how is it? And I said, it's great. And I lied to her face that day, just a confession. And uh, the reason why it was not great was because she accidentally mixed in salt instead of sugar. I know that's how I felt. And I was not gonna tell her. And so all of a sudden she kind of goes back to the kitchen and in walked my students. And they're like, oh, we got some lemonade. And I said, yep, and it's great. And you're not gonna say anything otherwise. And she brings them out some lemonade. And I don't know what my favorite part was. I don't know if it was building the house for the family or watching a bunch of teenagers have to gulp, gulp down some salty lemonade. It was bitter, terrible, terrible stuff. I think they made this a little salty for me today uh, just for the illustration. But I remember, uh, man, that just being so bitter. And I think we've all had moments where not just our mouth is bitter, but our heart is bitter. And what's interesting, right, is it only takes one ingredient from taking something that looks so sweet and so refreshing to make it bitter. And I think the same is true in your heart, that it only takes one ingredient, or should I say one offense, to take somebody who is refreshing and desirable and sweet to be around and make them bitter and dehydrating. And I don't know what it is for you, but we've all had those moments, right, where We've become a little bit bitter. And as I thought about it this week, I think there are four main causes of bitterness. And if you're taking notes, write these down. I think the first one is really simple. It's unmet expectations. Come on, if the person next to you has never met an expectation in their life, just go ahead and raise your hand, right? We've all had those moments in, in life where we, we had these unmet expectations. Someone you thought was gonna be with you forever isn't. Somebody you expected to step up and help you when you were hurting didn't show up. Someone you expected to shoot you a text message on your anniversary, because Lord knows marriage is difficult, and they didn't even text you. And they didn't meet that expectation and got a bitter taste in your mouth. I think the second reason a lot of us get bitter is because of unwanted pain. Unwanted pain or something happens in your life that's hurtful. Maybe somebody you love passes away, or someone gets in a car wreck and is debilitated. Or maybe it's not physical at all. Maybe it's unwanted pain and you joined a church and you just wanted everything to get involved and to connect with some people, but then you got what we call church hurt. And you're like, God, I was just trying to find a good church to go to and worship. I didn't want all of this pain. And I think it's especially difficult for those of us who are believers, right? Because if you're a believer, hopefully you believe in this doctrine that God is sovereign and that he is in control. And the problem when we believe that and it's true is that when God doesn't do what you think he should do, what unwanted pain leads to is blame. And we blame God because we're like, well, you could have fixed it. You could have healed. You could have stopped it, but you, you didn't. And what happens over time, you get bitter towards God. I think the third reason is unfair circumstances. Unfair circumstances. And you look around and you notice there's some people who maybe started with more of an advantage than you did. Maybe, 
Maybe you didn't have the same opportunities. It's almost in this thing called life, this race we feel like we're in, that they got to start a couple of steps in front of you because of your background or your upbringing or the color of your skin. And you get passed up for promotions that you were qualified for and you earned. Somebody else that doesn't have the degree or doesn't have all that experience got the job instead of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's out of your control. And a lot of times what unfair circumstances cause us to do is to compare. And when you compare, it robs your joy and you get a little bit bitter. Anybody been there? And I think the, the final one is unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict. This might be the most obvious of the reasons why we get bitter because there's something in your family there, there's something with a friend. There's, there's something that's happened. And a lot of times it's, it's real kind of silly and small and even petty initially. But a lot of times what we do is we kind of sweep it under the rug and think it'll go away, but then it doesn't, does it? And then we find ourselves mad and frustrated and bitter really from one of, if not all, of those reasons, and here's how we become bitter. We become bitter when what happens to us starts to live within us. And all of a sudden, it's not just a feeling anymore, but it's in your heart, and you become bitter. And so Hebrews 12 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble or defiles many. And a lot of us today, we're, we have a bitter heart. And I wanna, I wanna talk to you for a second because I know this is something I deal with and maybe today you don't have a bitter heart and if that's you, this is gonna help you maybe love on someone a little bit who, who does. And I wanna go to a, a book in the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, Ruth chapter one, and uh, we're gonna look at a story really not about Ruth herself, but about her mother-in-law named Naomi. And so if you have a Bible, turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen above me. If you're watching online, it'll come across the bottom. But Ruth chapter one, we're gonna read from verses one all the way to 21. Does anybody want a little bit of Bible today? Amen. If you're ready for the word of God, shout, I'm ready. Amen. Ruth chapter one, starting in verse one. Here's what it says. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in a country called Moab. Say Moab. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphorites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, pay attention. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. Unwanted pain. They married Moabite woman, women, one named Orpah, not to be confused with Oprah. Come on, somebody. By the way, if you're about to have a daughter and you want an original name, Orpah is probably available for you. <laughs> one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. 
With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. Come on, somebody. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. How sweet of a mother-in-law to say. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud, but they said to her, we'll go back with you and your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I gonna have any more sons who could become your husband? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and we made love and had another baby and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grow up and become cradle robbers? No. Do you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Let, let's pause there and let's talk about how this sweet mother-in-law named Naomi finds herself in such a bitter place. As we opened up this story we read about a, a man named Elimelech and, and Naomi and they move and they leave Bethlehem to a place called Moab. Now, Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. There's a famine in the land and they decide to leave instead of trusting God, instead of believing the famine would be over, instead of believing that God would be faithful in the city known as the house of bread. I mean, if there was ever a city that God would bless, it would be Bethlehem, because later on we get to know something special comes from Bethlehem, doesn't it? And in, if there was ever a time to really have faith and expect that God would be faithful to provide, it would be in Bethlehem. But what do they do? They move to Moab. And here's why that's a problem. Because Moab was in enemy territory. So see, what they did is they had an unmet expectation from God. And when they had an unmet expectation from God and God didn't provide what they think he should provide, what did they do? They run away from the house of bread to build a blessing in Moab. Whew, you're not following me. I think sometimes in life when God doesn't do what we want him to do, we run to Moab too. Where is your Moab? Well, where's the place that when God doesn't show up and he doesn't provide, you find yourself maybe not even meaning to, running to somewhere, thinking that you will get blessed, and for a moment, you do. But anytime you run in the wrong direction, you will always end up in the wrong destination. And I think the reason they ran to Moab is obvious. It was for survival. And I think the reason we run to Moab's in our own life is for survival. But here's the problem. You aren't meant to live in survival. And a lot of us are living in survival modes. And the sin cycles in our life are a result of us living in survival. And that's not how God made you to live. And we run from the place God said he would provide and try to build our own blessing in Moab. And when she does, what happens? Her husband dies, and 10 years later, both sons die. And then she's left with these two daughter-in-laws, 
Orpah trying to give away some cars on TV, and Ruth. Now, this is a little unfair circumstance because in that culture, she would have been responsible for taking them in. Now, it is Naomi's responsibility to care for these two women, and initially, she seems cool with it. In fact, when she hears the famine is over, she's like, hey, hey, go ahead and go back and, and go back to your mom's home and to your gods, and, and, and you can find a husband. I, I bless you. It's cool. We're, we're, we're done. And initially, it seems as if Naomi is looking out for the best interest of Orpah and Ruth. It seems as if she's going, listen, there's nothing really for you in Judah. You're going to be far more blessed if you go back over here to Moab. Don't, don't come with me. And is it the fact that Naomi is looking out for them? Or could it be the fact that when she goes back to Judah, she's bringing with her evidence that she's been living in Moab? Could it be that she's trying to get rid of the evidence that she ran from God when people needed her most? You ever backslid? You ever ran away like a prodigal from God and then you had to come back home and there was this pressure to get rid of the evidence of what you've been doing? See, some of us, we're trying to get rid of the evidence of what we did Friday night what we did last week. And so here she is, she's like, whoa, 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 I love you, but, but you go stay over there because she doesn't want people to know where she's been the last 10 years. But then it says, as they wept aloud, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. This is why, by the way, the book is not named Orpah because Orpahs leave, but Ruth stay. How many of you know you need a Ruth in your life? You need a root in your life that will stay. You need a, a root in your life that's not going to run out like Orpah. By the way, if you've ever lost someone in life or they walked out on you and turned their back on you, it might be because God doesn't need them in this season to fulfill what he called you to. And so now here's Ruth and Naomi's trying to get rid of her. And she's like, yo, look, your sister-in-law, Orpah, she went back. She gonna start her own show. You should go back with her. But, 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 but Ruth, mm -mm. but Ruth replied, don't urge me, Naomi. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Ruth is like, I'm, I'm devoted to you and I'm not coming back with you because of who you are, Naomi. I'm coming back with you because I found the Lord that you worship through your son and I'm gonna honor him. I'm not gonna bow down to these false gods and I'm following you because of the God you serve and you may not have the faith to believe it, but I'm clinging to you knowing that that God is faithful, so I'm coming too. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you need a Ruth in your life. And listen, if you're not the person dealing with bitterness today, here's what I would encourage you with. Be a consistent blessing to those who are constantly bitter. And this is exactly what Ruth does. And so here's what it says next. It says, when Naomi 
When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? We ain't seen her in like 10 years. She went away looking real fine. But 10 years later, whoo, she looking rough. Can this be Naomi? She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She said, I went away full, but I came back empty. I wonder if some of you are in church today because you're empty and your heart's dehydrated. How does this woman go from being so sweet, which is what Naomi means, by the way. It means sweet. How does she go from being so sweet to being so bitter. I wanna show you the process of bitterness in our own life and what you can see throughout this story. And so if you're taking notes, write this down because number one, bitterness gets in your heart. I know that might be obvious, but bitterness gets in your heart. And the way in which it gets into your heart is through one offense at a time. One ingredient, one stupid word from some stupid people. Come on, somebody. One thing can all of a sudden make you bitter. And here's the deal, getting offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. And getting hurt is inevitable, but living hurt is an option. And I think a lot of us, what happens is, is we, we get hurt and we don't deal with the hurt. And so then the hurt turns into anger. And this is how bitterness works. And if, if anger goes unchecked, it turns to resentment. And then if resentment goes unchecked, it turns to revenge. And here's why bitterness is such a challenge is because a lot of the time, the, the, the root cause of you being bitter was the fact that you did get hurt. And the truth is you had the right to get angry. And, and I, I just wanna say this to you, if you've been hurt and you find yourself bitter today, this is not to minimize what that person did to you or them walking out on you. It's not to minimize the unfair circumstance or the unwanted pain or the unmet expectation or the conflict in any way. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here, here to build you up because I think God doesn't want you living bitter but wants to make you better. And, and so I just wanna say this real, 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 real quick. If you're hurt, I empathize with you, and so does God. Scripture says that he is close to the brokenhearted. And the truth is, is it did hurt, and it wasn't fair, and it made you angry. And yes, you're hurt, and yes, it made, made you angry. But because of Jesus, you and I don't get to live that way. And some of us have been holding on to this thing, and now it's getting in your heart. 
This is why Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 12, because if, you don't, if you're not careful, it'll go from re resentment to revenge. And here's what he says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my brothers and sisters, but leave room for God's wrath because it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. And so here's what that means. If somebody hurts you and they wronged you and they don't repent, God will deal with them, but it's not your job to take revenge. We don't heal evil by doing more evil. And so if you're not careful, it'll get in your heart. Say, it gets in your heart, and then it grows over time. Say, it grows over time. It grows over time. So here's what happens, right? You, you, get, you get this offense, and, and something happens, and it starts out really, really, really small. And it seems like it's not that big of a deal. Because... I mean, on the surface, it was petty. They didn't like a comment on Facebook. Whoop-de-doo, get over it. <laughs> but then when they don't do it a lot, and you see they're on Facebook, and they make excuses with you and say, well, I ain't been on in a while. It's like, bro, you posted 30 seconds ago. I know you saw my comment. Why didn't you comment back? Woo, <laughs> am I preaching too much? And here's the thing, it's petty. It's not that big of a deal. It's manageable. You can hide it. It's not gonna taste that bad. It's just a little, little salt. Just one ingredient, but here's the problem. A lot of us try to, try to hide this, and what we don't realize is what Hebrews said was, be careful to not let the root of bitterness take place in your heart, because under the surface is an ugly root that's holding on. And if you're not careful and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to remove the root, what will happen over time, what started as something really small will begin to get a little bit taller. And see, this was manageable. But over 10 years, Naomi, the thing starts to grow and now this is harder to hide. And for some of you, this is what your heart looks like right now and it's starting to, to grow and it's getting a little deeper and deeper and you can't, really, you can't really get it at the root as easy as you could if you just would have dealt with it when it first happened. But what happens with bitterness? It grows over time and then eventually it grows so tall that it gets to your head. And some of you, this is what your heart looks like right now. Just walking around with this big old tree and what started as a little bitty root, now it's gone to your head. And here's what it does. It changes how you see people. It changes your perception. It changes how you think. It'll even change how you talk. Because Matthew chapter six says that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Can I give you a word for the wise? Be careful to listen to your mouth when your heart is bitter. And if you're not careful, it'll go to your head and eventually it'll gain control of your life. She says something interesting in verse 20. As she gets back, she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Be careful to listen 
to your mouth when your heart is bitter. Naomi is bitter and here she is and they're going, are you back? Is this you? And she goes, that's not who I am anymore. I'm no longer Naomi, which means sweet. Call me Mara, which means bitter. See, for some of us, bitterness is not just an issue we feel, it's an identity that we now claim. Whoa, that was good preaching, y'all missed that. For some of you, it was an identity now. It's not just who you, who you felt and what happened in the past, but now this thing has gained control of your life and now you're not a child of God, you're bitter. Don't call me. Naomi, don't call me the name God gave me. Don't call me the calling God put on my life. Instead, call me by my issue because my issue is my identity. And here's what we're doing. It's gaining control of your life and you're bringing this thing with you everywhere you go. This is coming to work with you, just coming up in work. Hey guys, how y'all doing today? (laughs) This coming in your marriage with you? Oh, you're going on another trip? Oh, you didn't clean the house again? Just walking around like this. Some of you are strapping this in the seat next to you in the car, and you know how I know? Because how you talk in traffic. (laughs) And then we wonder why we don't have a lot of friends because there ain't no room for them because you walking around with this bitter tree behind you. Just dropping lemons everywhere you go. (laughs) What happens? It gains control of your Life. That's why she says next in verse 21, I went away full, but I came back empty. She went away full. See, in in, in Bethlehem, the house of bread, she was full. But the moment there was a problem and an unmet expectation, she left and she went and built her own blessing in Moab but if you build your own blessing outside of the will of God, that blessing gonna run out. And you'll find yourself empty. But I love her language here. She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. I'm just speaking to anybody who's ever ran away like a prodigal and you made the decision to run away from God. It was by His grace that He brought you to church today to bring you back, not so you can be bitter, but so that you can be better. And He brought you back to fill you back up because you came in empty. That just means now there's room for the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're in church today because you got a bitter heart and now it's becoming your identity and now it's who you are. And God is looking at you going, your name isn't Mara. You are who I say you are. You're a child of God and you're loved and you're chosen and I have a calling on your life and it's not for you to live bitter. I gave you my Holy Spirit so you could be better and become more like my son than your condition. So how do we get rid of bitterness? Let's learn from Naomi that the first thing you notice here is she acknowledges her bitterness. Somebody say acknowledge. This is so key because a lot of times we don't see our own bitterness, but everybody else does. And let me tell you why, because you got RBF. (laughs) Resting bitter face. Some of y'all are bitter about that comment right there. Come on, find the neighbor, say, don't be bitter. Say no RBF. 
no resting bitter face for you. I'm telling you, you gotta acknowledge the fact that you're bitter or you'll never heal from it. So number one, we acknowledge, say acknowledge. Here's the second thing we do, we return, say return. We return to God, what'd she say? The Lord brought me back empty. The word used there in the Hebrew was the word used for repentance, this idea that God is the one that will convict your heart and in His kindness, draw you back to repentance, draw you back home. And it starts with us confessing our sin and our issues. And then we repent and we return back to God and choose not to run to Moab. It's time for some of you to return instead of run. Because if you run there, it's gonna follow you there. But when you return to God, the third thing you gotta do is believe. Somebody say believe. You gotta believe that you're actually forgiven. That this don't gotta be the thing that defines you. You're not defined by your issue. You're not defined by your bitterness. You're not Mara, you're Naomi. You are who God says you are. And he says, when you confess your sin to me and you return to me, I will be faithful and I will forgive you and I will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Come on, is anybody thankful that when we ran from God, he loved us enough to bring us back home and forgive us for our sin? Come on, is anybody thankful for that truth? Why don't you give God seven seconds of praise? But you gotta return to God. And here's the... Final thing, you, you gotta, listen, you gotta receive the forgiveness so that you can forgive like you've been forgiven. So that you can forgive like it. So how do we, how do we get over bitterness? We acknowledge, say acknowledge. So we believe, we return, and then we forgive. That's a new RBF, by the way. That's a refreshed believer face. That's what that is. It's a refreshed believer face. You got a new RBF today. Walk out of here with a new RBF. Wipe that old bitter face off. God wants to refresh your soul. He wants to refresh your, refresh your heart. And in this story, though Naomi identifies herself now as bitter, Ruth clings to her anyway. And I think she exemplifies what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four, about getting rid of all bitterness and anger and slander and malice and all of that. And he says, then be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I think Ruth is such a great example of that. By the way, Ruth's name means a compassionate friend. See, when God names things, he gives them significance. That's why you don't change it, you allow him to change it. And so Ruth in this moment does something really, really powerful. And I ain't got time to go there today in all of that, but if you'll read through the rest of that book, what you will find is that Ruth, then she meets someone in Naomi's family line named Boaz, say Boaz. That's B-O-A-Z, Boaz, okay? And I wasn't gonna do this, but we got a little bit of time left. If you're single in the house, especially if you're a woman, do not settle for anything but Boaz. One preacher said, don't settle for his ugly cousins, his second and third cousins. Don't be settling for broke as and poe as and lion as and bitter as. Wait on your Boaz. Can I get an amen, somebody? 
Come on, don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. We up in church. So she does. She waits on her Boaz. And guess what happens? They have a baby. And then what she does is something incredible. Because remember, her mother-in-law lost her husband and her two sons and was bitter because she could never have a son again. And so what does Ruth do when they have their son? She gives her son away to Naomi who didn't deserve it. I know somebody else who gave their son away for people who didn't deserve it. What a picture of grace and compassion. And when she takes it, they're like, Naomi, you're so blessed to have this wonderful woman. She's blessed you more than seven sons would ever bless you. He will be your guardian redeemer and he will watch over you and restore your soul in old age. And then she named him Obed. And guess what? Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse, the father of David. And if you follow that generational line down, what you will see is that through the lineage of David came a greater Messiah, a greater guardian redeemer named Jesus. And it was through the bitterness of Naomi and the faithfulness of Ruth that God came full circle and gave the world what we did not deserve. And that man's name is Jesus who forgave you for your sin. So now you can forgive like you've been forgiven. Amen, come on, stand to your feet. Let me show you what will happen. In the same way when bitterness grips your heart and gets in there and grows over time and starts to go to your head and it takes control of your life, let me show you what will happen when you receive the forgiveness of God. When you believe you're forgiven for your sin by the blood of Jesus, His forgiveness gets in your heart. And over time, His forgiveness grows and all of a sudden his forgiveness starts to get to your head and you start seeing people differently and you start talking differently and you respond differently and what happens over time just like bitterness but flipped upside down forgiveness gains control of your life and now you're no longer known as someone who is bitter you're known as someone who's forgiven now I don't gotta be bitter I can forgive because God's forgiven me Get rid of all bitterness. Today, I wanna allow the Holy Spirit to remove that bitterness from your heart. And it may not feel good, but hear me, if you don't choose to forgive, it's like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. You're not hurting them. In fact, they probably don't even know you're bitter. It's hurting you. You're drinking bitter lemonade and getting dehydrated in your heart. And so today, I'm just gonna pray two prayers. The first one is for those of you to go, man, I I wanna acknowledge I'm bitter. And God, I need you to remove that bitterness from my heart. I need you to make me better. I need you to heal me. I need you to give me the faith to forgive because if anybody had the right to be bitter, it was God Himself who had every right to be angry with you and every right to turn his back on you. All of the unwanted pain you've caused God, all of the unfair circumstances you've placed on him, telling him to get you out of this and then you'll do that. All of that, he could have stayed bitter, but instead he blessed you and forgave you and gave you what you did not deserve. And so today you're going, God, I need that type of forgiveness in my heart so that I can make it possible to forgive those who may not deserve it as well. Forgive today. It's time for some of you to let it go. It's been controlling you for too long. 
And so let's pray together. And if you will, just bow your head. If today this message was for you, will you just stretch a hand out towards heaven and say, man, I've been dealing with this. I'm I'm bitter. I've been acting like Mara, but I'm I'm believing I don't have to be Mara. This don't have to be my identity. Hands going up all over the room. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would heal that bitter heart, that you would give them the power to forgive knowing they've been forgiven when they didn't deserve it. Thank you for not being bitter with us. Thank you for forgiving us and loving us and being kind and compassionate towards us. We thank you and it's in Jesus' name. And I want you to continue with your heads bowed and I just wanna give those of you who've never received the grace of God and maybe the reason you can't forgive other people is because you don't know yet you are forgiven. And today is the day that you acknowledge your sin and you return, you turn and repent from your sin and you give that thing to God and, and you, you believe that He is faithful, that He who confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised Him from the dead on the third day will be saved and your sins will be forgiven. If that's your decision today and you've ran to Moab and today you're coming back home to the house of bread, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, who is enough for you and gives you exactly what you need when you need it. And today you need a savior. So if that's your prayer, I want you to say this with me as in a way to align your heart with God's. In church, we pray this out loud. Say, today I give you my life and I believe that you're enough for me. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the grave and conquering death. Thank you for saving my soul. Forgive me for my sin. Help me forgive others the way you've forgiven me. If that was your prayer today, uh, on the count of three, we just lift your hand. One, God loves you. Two, you don't have to stay the same. Three, just shoot your hand up and say, today I made that decision. Hands going up. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. God, thank you for the healing work you're doing right now. Thank you for the salvation that's happening all in this room. We love you. We praise you. You are good and you are great. Thank you for loving people like us. And it's in Jesus' name, the church said. Come on, church, let's celebrate everybody making those next steps today. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give God a shout of praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.